KZSU Stanford, 9.1 FM. I'm Mark Molino. This is the Henry George Program. This is a show about housing, land use, policy, activism, and a lot more. Today the program, we have former mayor of Mountain View, Lenny Siegel, and joined by Pardis Bigzada and David Watson of South Bay Yimby. We come a bit to heads about the role of local control versus regional and state action, but we all respect, <laughs> try to try to learn from each other. So let's just get into things. Well, welcome, Lenny. Hi, how are you? And uh, yeah, welcome, uh, Partisan uh, David. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, before we start talking about housing, I just it's it's pretty cool that you were at Stanford back in the '60s and you were involved uh, with some case issue broadcasts. So it's always cool to see somebody, you know. Head back to yeah. KCSU Studios after all this time. Well, with the um, KCSU used to broadcast some of our rallies, and when I was in court on trial for uh, some demonstrations, uh, there were Stanford administrators who were testifying. What were you doing that night? Well, I was listening to KCSU, and I heard Lenny Siegel advocate uh, that we go out and trash windows or something like that. <laughs> Did you try to hold back what you say over the air, or you just figure? Well, this was a, this was a like a mass rally in the old yeah. Union courtyard. No, so it was, we weren't paying much attention to the fact that it was being broadcast. Funny. Yeah, I'd like to think radio is a, it's a it's a it's a great medium to bring what's important and you know events out, and I hope that housing is important now. So I hope this can do a, a, a little bit to bring attention to it. And we're also joined by a fifth member in the studio, uh, which is uh, David and Partis's uh, little uh, daughter. So if you hear crying in the background, that's what you'll be hearing. She has a lot a lot of important things to say about the housing crisis. I can't start too early. So, uh, Lenny Siegel, uh, you served on Mountain View City Council between 2014 and 2018, last year as mayor. uh, And, you know, Mountain View, I'd say most people would say, of all the places in the peninsula, has done the best job at addressing housing by making housing. And I, I just, I guess, first off, why do you think or how do you think Mountain View is able to be the best of the bunch? Well, first, Mountain View has a long tradition of being a working-class community that treasures our diversity, our ethnic diversity, our socioeconomic diversity. And I've heard from innumerable people, Anglos, who've moved to Mountain View, who've said, I moved to Mountain View because I wanted my kids to grow up with kids with different backgrounds. So we start with that as as a starting place in terms of the the ethos of the community. But around 2014, we built a coalition that um, included basically four segments. Uh, Progressive homeowners like myself, a lot of people in my neighborhood uh, matured during the 60s and still retained a lot of progressive ideas. Um, Secondly, there were low-income tenants led by our Latino or Spanish-dominant population. They were agitating for rent control. Uh, We then had young tech workers who, um, on the surface of it, made a lot of money, but because of when they moved to the area, couldn't even afford to buy a condo, let alone a house like mine. And fourth, there are are a a fraction, uh, but a significant fraction, of what I call drawbridge people. Drawbridge people are the people who has, you know, a lot of them in Palo Alto, they've made it across the drawbridge, we're fine, we're going to pull up the drawbridge behind us. And we appealed to them by saying, where will your kids live? How far will you have to travel to see your grandkids? 
So even though they hadn't made, they'd made it across the drawbridge, uh, their quality of life was diminished by the fact that we didn't have housing to be a sustainable community, in, not only in terms of the environment, but in terms of having multi-generations of the same family in the same community. And that's how we built a majority in 2014. We swept the elections. And in 2016, the people who were anti-housing before started to say, okay, housing's okay. In 2018, everybody was pro-housing. I guess, and here's a question, what is your response to the elections of 2018? And what do you think, what do you think the message was sent by, by the people who seem to take a step back from that, from that uh, position? Well, actually, the people who were elected included uh, two people who were very strongly pro-housing, third one who said she was pro-housing. Um, it's hard to know why I lost that election. Um, one factor is that you know there were six candidates, and the old white men came in fifth and sixth. Uh, and in terms of the national trends, and I have talked to people, I didn't really know who to vote for, so I voted for the person of color. I voted for the woman. That's one factor. Some people voted against me because I believe we should have marijuana stores in Mountain View. Uh, some people voted against me because I don't want to throw out our vehicle residents. Uh, but a good part of it was overconfidence, but a lot of it was... There were housing wasn't an issue. I won because of housing in 2014, but everybody said they agreed with me in 2018. Yeah. So, uh, partisan uh, David, I guess you you've lived in Mountain View for how long? So, strictly speaking, I've been a resident of Mountain View uh, my entire life. Uh, I was born in Mountain View. Uh, um, I'm, I'm 31, so 31 years ago. Uh, and uh, I went to school at UC San Diego, but I, I've, uh, I maintained residence at my parents' house. And then uh, when I came back uh, to, to work in the Bay Area, I, uh, I continued to live in, in Mountain View. Uh, so, yeah. And uh, I moved here from Toronto, Canada, uh, back in 2011. Okay. Yeah, I, and I guess one question about Mountain View is it you know it isn't alone and I think the the question I, I think you can talk about how you've built the right coalition of Mountain View. How do you think Mountain View has been able to address being kind of closed in by neighbors like Palo Alto being so close to Stanford's campus and uh, a lot of players like Palo Alto and Cupertino can be addressed as just not getting towards a pro housing message. And what do you think what do you think's behind that? To some degree, it's a matter of strategy and organizing. Um, to some degree, it's a matter of who are the people who live in that community right now. Um, you know, we came up with a, you know, our emphasis in 2014 was to build housing in our North Bayshore area. And we did that with the support of the companies in North Bayshore, particularly Google. But for those people who live in South Mountain View, who are somewhat NIMBY, uh, they, they don't want to see a lot of development in their part of town, they didn't have a problem with us building in the North Bayshore area. So deciding where we wanted to build, and also the vision of having mixed-use, medium-density communities um, that were somewhat self-contained, it's the, the new urbanism, um, that appealed to people who had environmental concerns, what we're trying to do is get people out of cars, particularly during the commute hours. So um, 
it, it made a lot of sense in terms of the, the, the huge jobs and huge and growing jobs, housing imbalance that Mountain View has, where we have tens of thousands more people, thousands of more people working in Mountain View than live there. So uh, I, I was kind of wondering, um, do you feel that that's particularly different from, from Palo Alto or, uh, or Cupertino? I mean, both of them have, you know, huge tech companies. They have almost all the same things apply. Uh, is it just a question of the the economic level of economic diversity that still remained in Mountain View at the sort of you know mid two thousands that wasn't there in Palo Alto or something else? It's hard to know for sure. I actually believe that with the right kind of organizing, that those communities uh, can build more housing. It's a matter of where you target it and and how you the vision of the kind of community that you're trying to build um i think that the stanford research park is a lot like mount view's north bayshore area it's it's a great opportunity to build housing the fact that stanford is proposing uh enormous development on the academic campus without sufficient housing uh gives uh, residents of the area through the county board of supervisors leverage to insist that Stanford build more housing in the Stanford Research Park. They've already done some of that for faculty, but they, you know, Stanford's always done a good job for faculty. It's the staff that they haven't built for. And you know, there was a report way back in 69 that, uh, that Stanford's not building enough working class housing. And so you know, my next door neighbor is a Stanford receptionist uh, because Stanford hasn't built the housing. But they own, Stanford owns more land than the size of Mountain View. Yeah. And they can find, with with the right pressure from Palo Alto residents and from uh, the county, uh, we can get some of that housing built in Palo Alto. So, uh, yeah, speaking of the job housing imbalance, I see that, you know, back decades ago, you were part of some, uh, making some little pamphlets, grassroots, about predicting the uh, jobs housing imbalance. Uh, what, what's... It wasn't predicting. They, yeah. the, the Moulton Committee at Stanford in 1969, with a few of my friends on it, documented that Stanford invented the jobs housing imbalance in the peninsula. There are many more people working on Stanford land than were living, than were living in the area. And to this day, you know, yesterday was... Was it was yesterday or the day before I was driving down from San Francisco at 4.30 in the afternoon. As you approach Palo Alto, you could see all the people commuting out of Palo Alto in the afternoon, out of the Stanford Research Park. So th- this started way back when, yeah. and Stanford never did anything about it, and Palo Alto didn't do much about it. I, I suppose my biggest question, and I feel like this is kind of what I'm bringing here, is my cynicism that we can change everything through the proper organizing within the system and the fact there's so many structural reasons that kind of will prevent even the best coalitions from working. I think Mountain View, one big number, uh, 42% homeowners. And when you talk about your coalition of a lot of tech workers who rent, tenants who rent, and then you find the right amount of progressive homeowners, I think when you have 42%, you have a good amount of tenants. Mountain View could make rent stabilization happen through a, through a ballot initiative. I think when you go to Palo Alto or Cupertino, you don't have as many renters. And I just think everything's stacked against you. And I don't know how much of, a, how much of an impact you think that has. Well, Mountain View had uh, a similar percentage of renters back in 1981 when I, uh, when I uh, proposed rent control and we lost two to one. 
Uh, <laughs> so it's not simply that. In fact, today, a large percentage of our renters aren't even eligible to vote because they are not citizens. So it took support from homeowners to vote for rent control in Mountain View. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's not as yeah it's great to have a base of renters. Um, in the past, the problem we had the rents would go up and people uh, would be forced to move out of town, and so we lost them. Uh, so homeowners have always been an important part of the progressive coalition in, in Mountain View. So I, I suppose this is a question I have: is I think you bring important ideas here, which is. People who are renters, they deserve stability. They deserve to be here in our community. You, you, know, you say right. that people who live in RVs, you know, they live here, they work here, and they it is our it's 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 a responsibility to care for them and make sure that they we don't just criminalize living here and we don't just uh, aren't complacent with rising rents. And I think a lot of people don't share those same ideals. And I guess a, a question is. Uh, how pervasive is it uh, to say that you know if you're a renter, you're not the same class of citizen as a homeowner? And how could we how could we address this? Well, there are a lot of people who believe that, but yeah. but more and more people are realizing that uh, the, the ability to buy a home has more to do with uh, when you move to Mountain View as opposed to um, your your value as a person. Uh, my wife and I bought our home in nineteen. 19- 79 it is appreciated by more than a factor of 20 yeah we could never afford to buy now my daughter can't afford to buy now uh it's not a matter of somehow uh i'm a you know i'm a better citizen i'm I'm more of an economic contributor to the community it's a matter of timing one of the reasons i think rent control passed in mountain view is that the average resident realized that most of the people who were living in vehicles, and we don't call them RVs because they don't, you know, they aren't recreational. <laughs> you know, most of the people we have living in vehicles are doing it because the rents are too damn high. And that's something, that's a message that most people came to believe, and that's, that's why we made it over the top with the rent control vote. So I, I think one thing that I think really stuck with me is I was at Mountain View City Council late last year, and this is when uh, there was uh, going to be massive displacement, which ended up coming to pass, of the Rock Street uh, right. apartments. And these were rental units being changed to owner-occupied right. townhouses to a, uh, you know, a slightly, I think if you consider the density of people living in apartments, a reduction in units. But on top of that, even if it was a positive units on balance, it was a, you know, it was, it was a reduction of rental units to something which is certainly a more, you know, a more yeah. luxurious thing to buy a townhouse. Mm-hmm. And people were saying on council, like, we need more ownership housing in Mountain View. And I just think it's, it's, what do you think of that attitude now and of people who say, like, we need more ownership versus, I personally believe we need a lot less ownership housing throughout the Bay Area in the peninsula where. Well, well we need both ownership and rental housing built. A lot of our housing that was built as ownership housing, be they condos or single family homes, are being rented. So, so we need both. Yeah. Uh, the problem is that in in the recent years, what we've been what we've been seeing built are what you call luxury priced apartments, and there are people who want to enter the housing market. So we do need entry level ownership housing. Uh, what we've been doing mostly in Mountain View is building housing on property that was not previously housing. Uh, we're building on commercial areas, industrial areas, 
And that's, the, to me, the solution to the displacement that we saw on Rock Street. Yeah. Uh, the, the problem is that the property is much more valuable as ownership housing than it is as apartments. And even before rent control, that was the case. So we have a lot of projects like that. But what we're starting to see, and you know, unfortunately there's still people who are being displaced, is that some of the companies that have been doing these teardowns are now proposing to build in the East Wisman area, which is a commercial area. Mm. You know, it was the birthplace of the semiconductor industry. Now you've got software companies there. And these same companies have bought large parcels in the East Wisman area with the new East Wisman plan, they will be able to build apartments and condos. So the solution is, is to provide other opportunities for people to build ownership housing as well as rental housing. Not, you know, yet it's very difficult legally um, to actually prevent the teardown of apartments because you can't force legally an apartment owner to stay in business. Yeah, do, I mean, that's protected the Ellis Act in California, which yeah. is kind of built into this, the structure of our but, housing markets. But we can take steps to make it harder or less profitable for them to do that. And we have this perverse incentive where, you know, Mount View has a very high park fee on the construction of new housing. Uh, that doesn't apply when you build fewer units on the same property. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess, do, do you think the right answer for making sure we stop displacement is through things that individual local cities can control? Or do you, do you think that there needs to be anything that actually kind of is bigger than, than just well, can be done locally? Well, some of the reasons that people oppose new housing construction and are valid. They're worried about parking. They're worried about traffic. They're worried about construction, noise, and dust. And so if there are things that the state can do to help cities address those issues then it will be more palatable for places like Palo Alto to build housing. So rewarding cities that build housing by giving grants for transit, for example, uh, giving money to schools. You know, the, the school fees that are collected on new construction now don't even pay for a fraction of the construction costs uh, that we're seeing that we need for new schools. So if the state were to provide incentives in the form of of reimbursing cities for the costs associated with housing development, then I think it would be easier to win the argument to build housing. If we're in a situation of talking about carrots and sticks, right? Yeah. It, with how far behind pretty much every Bay Area city, really every major city in California is right now, we're not really in the carrot zone right now. We're in the stick zone. Like, Every city. I mean, I, Mountain View is, is you know, I absolutely ahead of the pack, and I'm proud of the progress we've made on housing. But we also are in the stick zone for, for we, we have definitely generated significantly more jobs than we've generated housing. We are way behind what we should be, should be doing, is my feeling. So when you talk about, like, incentives, it's like, that would be nice. But the fact is that I just don't think that... I actually have a different question for Lenny on that one. Um, well, two, really. One is uh, on the carrot side. Um, how do you propose the state raises that money that they could use as carrots, given Prop 13? Um, and then the second question I have is, um, which part of SB 50 to you is the stick? 
because to me I don't see a stick but you know obviously people disagree so that's that's what I'm curious okay. to hear about well, for, first on the matter the state is actually flush right now and the predictions are that we'll have a lot more money with all these initial pu public offerings by these tech companies the thing to realize is that the, the money that Uber's making and going to be making by selling stock is a cost to the communities around here. Absolutely. And so, so the idea, it, you know, just like with the employer tax in Mountain View, to it, um, internalize the costs that come from this great amassment of wealth that we're seeing. So there is money uh, right now. Now, there might not be in several years, but right now it, <clears throat> we have it. So, so that's the... That's not the biggest problem. Uh, the, the question is, you know, what are, what are my problems with uh, the state deciding how and where we're going to build housing? Uh, the first one is that the Wiener legislation always talks about increasing density on existing residential property. What we found in Mountain View, as I've just said, the best place to build housing is on commercial property. Uh, you know, the housing, the housing that we've been built, you know, our transit center, has been not built on the old. Well, can you be explicit? Why? What's the exact reason why you feel commercial is better than residential? And I guess the question is: Is it better objectively in the in the outcome, or is it better politically and more feasible to to get done? Well, I, I would say both. I mean, I live in a single family home within walking distance of our transit center, and we have a nice neighborhood that was built in 1927, and I don't see any reason to tear that down when we can when we could build the. Uh, you know, several hundred units on an old lumber yard uh, and hardware store. But several hundred units isn't how far behind we are. We're yeah, but behind by a lot more than that. And so, and so, so we we have uh, plans to build, uh, or some of its plans, some of its proposals to build thirty thousand units, uh, most of which are on com currently commercial properties. So we we have enough commercial property in Mountain View. And Palo Alto has enough commercial property to build tens of thousands of housing units. So, um, in walking distance from transit, as well, close to transit as your house is. <laughs> no, some of it is near employment. So, so in East, well, East Wisman technically is near transit, but you, you know, light rail nobody uses anyhow. But it is near transit. It qualifies as transit-oriented development, but it's also near tens of thousands of jobs. North Bayshore doesn't have the public transit yet, but it's near tens of thousands of jobs. So, um, but yeah, we do have to expand our transit, and, and our, you know, the plans that we've been working on are to improve transit uh, to serve the areas where we build housing. So um, that's that's the first thing. Secondly, um, when um, because we have control over the number of, over density, we're able to milk the companies, the, the developers, um, to provide community benefits in term in terms of funding for for transit, for uh, bike lanes, the library. Uh, we can get money from that if if the developer can build additional density by right, then we no longer can, can accumulate those community benefit funds. So um, that's, that's another concern. Um, and third is, you know, we built support for building housing in Mountain View by, by deciding where we're going to do it. And this is the political side. So a lot of people in South Mountain View, the Waverly Park neighborhood, organized because they didn't want teacher housing built at Cooper Park. 
Now, I supported them not because I was against teacher housing in that neighborhood, but because I didn't want to take away parkland. Uh, so instead, we were able to come up with a proposal that would build teacher housing at, at, at uh, Shoreline and Middlefield. Uh, so um, the fact that we were able to, to decide where it's going to go built community support for that project. So it's, um, you know, I understand the frustration people have uh, and wanting to force Palo Palo Alto and Cupertino to build housing. Uh, Cupertino is an example of how uh, this one-size-fits-all state legislation um, can backfire, where SB 35 may lead to the construction of 1,200 um, affordable housing units in Cupertino, but it will worsen the jobs housing imbalance by thousands because in order because of the formula that's built into the law limits the amount of market rate housing that can be built. Instead, we're going to get you know s- s- several thousand jobs, and again, it'll be a wor- it'll worsen the situation for housing in the name of building affordable housing. Yeah, I think you can say certainly the 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 marginal increases at the state level that are. I don't have a lot of faith that people will perfectly design the ideal legislation from Sacramento, but I guess I am also very skeptical that the, that the status quo isn't strangling us. And I, I think I think you're describing a lot of kind of you know wins as far as you can build in commercial. This is low hanging fruit, won't displace people. But then again, if you just look at the nuts and bolts of how much money it means to communities, every you know every city is in their best interest to put more commercial and make a lot more money in that sense and also not, I think, hurt one of their biggest voting blocks, which is, you know, the the gatekeeper homeowners. So so that was the conventional wisdom around here for a long time, that that you would make – a city would make more money by building uh, commercial rather than residential. Um, it's not necessarily the case when you build higher densities. Sure. Uh, the costs of serving higher – providing infrastructure – for higher density housing, um, don't it, it turns out it's not as bad, but it also depends upon Prop 13. Uh, Prop 13 has limited the increase in property taxes from commercial property, and so right now industrial isn't as industrial and commercial don't provide property taxes. If we're able to change that. Yeah. And and increase the, the the revenues from commercial properties. That might not be the case, but it's the, again what people believe that somehow commercial was better for a city's economics isn't always the case. But but it, we do see some of the negative aspects in San Jose in East Palo Alto, where a residential base has led to a lot of uh, you know financial uh, precariousness with with budgets. And I think agreed. And, and I, I guess it's just it's very hard to say like how the jobs housing imbalance if cities don't so, suffer so, from not solving so, it. So, so what what I'm saying is, yeah. sprawl, yeah, single family home sprawl development is bad for a community's fiscal situation. That's building new single family homes. Building denser housing can actually work out economically for a community. But but not on top of existing single-family houses. Getting back to right. your original point, you said the, that re- building in residential isn't something that's that you think is good. So, but it seems like you what you just said was that the single um, you know single-family sprawl is is bad and and you know replacing with apartments is so can I'm, be positive. I'm saying new new 
single-family sprawl. And the other thing about single-family, you know, I was just reading something from L.A. and I know the area. Uh, there are some single-family areas in, in, in Los Angeles that, that are working class. And, and the, the people from those neighborhoods felt that they were threatened with redevelopment as a result of state legislation. Uh, so around here, you, you know, over time, single-family homeownership has moved to being upper-middle class. Yeah. That wasn't always the case. There, there are still streets, some streets in, Mount, in my street. You know, I moved there. It was pretty much a working class street. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but because of the, you know, the housing shortage, we think of homeowners as being rich. But that's not true everywhere. But I think even if they aren't rich across the board, there is a relative advantage they have over renters. Oh, yeah. And, and, and anywhere it, you go, the, the homeowner is going to be richer than the non-homeowner. That's... Sort of, at least in California. No, so as long as as long as they've owned for more than a couple of years, the values have gone up. So, 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 so we are rich on paper. Yeah, and you, you can know? tap yeah. into that. I mean, so that's... I'm 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 technically a millionaire, <laughs> but it does, that doesn't mean anything to me uh, if I want to stay in in Mountain View. Sure. I guess I guess the question we're, you're talking about a lot of ways we can pay for things, and I think you're talking a lot basically value capture in ways we can mm-hmm. capture value from our businesses, our industries that are growing in our in this incredibly economically right. prosperous area. We can uh, you know collect you know you know a value capture when we allow for density bonuses in different right. places. But I think the value capture that you know one is off the table through Prop 13, and I think it's politically off the table, and I think. It's kind of in our mindset off the table is saying when someone's home equity goes up by millions, we can capture that somehow and say, well, if you're not willing to pay more in taxes, at least you can allow duplexes to be built near you. And I think people say, well, I want to keep all my home equity and I don't want to see a duplex or a quadplex on my block even. And I just say I think that attitude you have to homeowners need to give up something. So, I mean, Mountain View has taken significant steps in state legislation to allow accessory dwelling units on on, an accessory dwelling unit is not the same as a duplex though yeah and i've I've got a fourplex and a triplex right across the street from me my neighbors don't complain about that um the the pro the problem is the inertia that that's required to to get somebody to to build uh more even an adu an accessory dwelling unit on on a property um but but you aren't going, the numbers you're going to get in terms of housing from those solutions. I mean, those things are solutions for older homeowners on fixed incomes. If they can build an additional unit on their property, then they they can help pay their expenses. It's a true win-win. But but it's not going to build a lot of housing. Sure. Yeah. And and the numbers that we're seeing in Mountain View are from these larger uh, developments on previously commercial property, uh, and. And I, I actually oh. do have a follow-up yeah. question on that one. Um, if we were to allow uh, duplexes and triplexes or fourplexes in all of the R1 zones mm-hmm. all across Mountain View, that could double to quadruple the number of homes available, right? Give it enough time. It's, it's just why, why not? Why not just say you know R1 now becomes well, there, quadruplexes? There, there are some places where there might not be enough parking. Under the current situation, um, most people don't want to tear down their home and make it a, a duplex. Um, you know, if, if you're, you know, these home homes are in East Palo Alto. The, there is a corporation that owns half the single-family homes. Yeah. In Mountain View, 
most single-family homes by, are owned by somebody who owns one home. And they have relatively little interest uh, in building more units. There are, in, in older Mountain View, in the Shoreline West area, there are places where you do have, if, on a, if you have a large lot, you have a home, and then they put three apartments in the backyard. And, well, and if you're and, saying and that no one's going to do it, if you're saying no one's going to do it, then what's the danger in doing it? Well, like if you're saying no one's going to take advantage of it, we might as well. That that sounds like you're saying it's a great law to pass. It just won't do enough. And so, I so, don't disagree. There's so, more to do. So the, the the problem. I mean, I'm I'm not against in certain areas doing that. What I'm against is a one size fits all approach, which takes away the control the community has based upon the parking and traffic considerations uh, that might be impacted by that, or the impacts on the schools that that, that might Every, result. The fact is, I mean, you you know as well as anyone that far, far more people are commuting into Mountain View each day than are commuting out, right? Every extra person that we add... Mountain View, whether by adding uh, apartments or by adding uh, adding duplexes, whether adding parking to them or not, is going to result in uh, a person who's commuting less distance, oh, is less driving. Right. Every person who moves here, even if we don't give them a parking spot. But you so you but you still have out of balance. You still then have. It sounds like a good idea. The the people who live uh, near El Camino Hospital, who are stuck in traffic on Grant Road, all the time, because of local traffic. And that's their concern rather than the commute. So if you can add 75%, have a 75% increase in Mountain View's housing stock without worsening that problem, then you'll not only, you're not only solving the problem, you have more political support. Well, what I'm saying is I, I care about the, the net, right? The net less driving that you'd get from adding the extra housing. Yes, some people's traffic might get worse, but the, but the, by, by the building, point of government is to, in some cases, make decisions that are slightly worse for some people so that in net, everyone does better. But by, this is back to the earlier point about uh, someone who's gained all this equity from their housing getting having to you know give something up or you know they can sell the house and move somewhere else. But by like building it. concentrations of housing in places like North Bayshore, uh, where we also have a lot of jobs already, we are making it more cost-effective to build the transit we need to get people out of their cars. It, the, the, the denser the development and the closer to work, the easier it is to pay for a transit system, and that's what we're trying to do. I, 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 have, uh, I wanted to hear your thoughts on how you think that has been going for Mountain View. Well, I, I think the North Bayshore housing is going to happen. It turns out to be a challenge to overcome the differences between the two major landowners in the gateway area. Um, the school issue is a major, uh, a major problem. Google for many years didn't want to see a school built in North Bay Shore. Um, they didn't think their employees would have kids. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we've proven otherwise. Uh, so, um, so that but well, also, while Pattis and I do have a daughter, we also don't live in North Bayshore because the housing hasn't been built yet. Right, right. But the the, the point is that one of one of the obstacles to getting the housing built is to get Google and the city to agree to fund school construction there, and that's something that takes more time. So, I never thought that the North Bayshore housing would be built more quickly than the housing on Evelyn and the housing on Terrabella. Uh, but I think it will happen, and it will be the kind of 
dense mixed use community that a lot of people want to live in. Uh, and you know, the, the the only problem I have with with the slowness of it is I want that to serve as a model for Palo Alto and what they do in the Stanford the Research Park. No, no, the 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 kind of the vision that we put together for sure. North Bay Shore. I think Lenny's point is that if it was built already, we could point to it and say, "Hey, Palo Alto, yeah. look how great it is." Yeah. Could you but instead, it hasn't started yet. Yeah. Right. And and there, well, we actually have we've approved several hundred units. Uh, the Sobrato development, uh, so the, it it has started, and there are you know plenty of plans, but there 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 are these obstacles having to do with property ownership. I, I, you know that one of the problems we have in this country is most almost all housing is built by private parties. Yeah, and so the government can restrict it, the government can incentivize it, but there are still private property owners. I'm, I just want to return to the the thing. One of the fundamental issues that when you talk about value capture, everybody talks about the housing crisis here. Not enough people are talking about the inequitable distribution of income and wealth. And so that is, to me, half the problem. So when the corporations, the Bay Area Council, the Silicon Valley Leadership Group talk about building more housing, they aren't dealing with that half of the problem. Um, you know, they opposed the employer tax that we proposed in Mountain View, uh, even though they supported the fact that I wanted to build more housing. And to me, I mean, there are all these different statistics. How many billionaires we have around here? You know, when I was a kid and I would read comic books, Scrooge McDuck was a billionaire. And that seems so weird that anybody could be a billionaire. Now we have people in their 20s who are billionaires and everybody thinks that's wonderful and that they're smart and they know the solutions to our problems. If we don't address the distribution of income and wealth, wealth tax, more employer taxes, if we don't distribute that, dis deal with that, then building more housing won't solve our problem. We have to do both. And I think this is kind of my, my, my big thing is I feel that you are bringing up a lot of practical ways to build coalitions now, but I kind of wonder, where is the big picture about, because I think we can talk about, you know, uh, you know the, the YIMBY idea is allow more housing, more housing needs to get built. I, I think I, I certainly subscribe to a bigger idea, which is we need to make land ownership less inequitable. We need to actually have uh, less private wealth in speculating real estate and we need to actually absolutely yeah and and i think in prop 13 does the exact opposite and i guess my yes. question is i would love to see a world with more public housing more community land trusts more modes of making sure that people don't treat their house as an investment and i think unfortunately a lot of people do and we don't have residential solidarity we don't pull together to solve the issue i think a lot of people they pull up the ladder and and I, you, know, you came from a very idealistic time back in, you know, Vietnam protests. And I, I, my cynical, cynical reading is what happened to the idealism? I think homeownership kills it. I think it has this very atomized, this is mine, this is my home own, this is the thing I own. Everyone else can just, you know, screw themselves. And I don't know. And I, I just think you, if every homeowner was Lenny Siegel, I think we'd live in a good world, but most aren't. And I think we need to kind of change a lot of these assumptions about what homeownership is and what land ownership is. It's certainly all these different commercial landowners are making a ton of money. So there's a, a strategic challenge for the left. Do we go after the 1% or do we go after 
the 10%. Yeah. And why not both? <laughs> um, well, it turns basically Prop 13 has created uh, a class of people in California who, if we were to simply reverse it and make people like me pay the same property taxes as my neighbor or Google manager who bought the house three years ago, um, that a whole lot of people who've been relatively comfortable, not necessarily feeling wealthy, would be forced out of their homes. Yeah. And this was the appeal that Prop 13 had initially. And it, it it's a real challenge. How, how do you go after that? Or do you go after the billionaires who... But, uh, have have lots of money that they don't need. But but Prop 13 is also not means tested, right? It applies to everyone, even even if you are like right. a rich person in LA, uh, and and I think it's still inherited. Oh yes, um, yeah, Prop 58 is a separate thing, but yeah, it's inherited. Right. So so I mean, I I totally agree with what you're saying. I do not want to displace people who don't have high monthly income but are wealthy on paper because mm-hmm. they're house appreciated right. in value. I, I don't want people like you, who I think is a great asset to Mountain View, to end up displaced because their property taxes right. went up. But it could be age-based. It could be um, means-tested. Uh, means and we're not seeing that. And, 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 and the fact is that it seems to me like if we have a choice between what we have now, which you just described as the, the, the serious downsides of it, and just not having it... I, it's really hard. I mean, like, I would obviously prefer a means-tested or an age-based or almost anything. But the fact is, if it's between Prop 13 and no Prop 13, I, I it's hard to see the uh, – considering how this is just going to keep getting worse for all the reasons you, you, uh, so, you just so, said. So one of the, the proposed solutions is a wealth tax. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm very much in favor of a wealth tax. Would, it also yes, have, would home equity be part of the wealth tax? I think it, 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 it be. may be, but it – you know, proportionally, it would you know it, it would go after the people who have you know bil- a billion dollars in stock. Certainly. Uh, now, I don't know how that would play out in terms of how, what tax dodges people would be able to come up with. So I, I don't know exactly how to structure a wealth tax. But Robert Reich and Elizabeth Warren are talking about that nationally. Um, the Bay Area is a great place to think about that because we have so much wealth amassed in a in, in a relative handful of people. I, I think all of this, like you will not find anyone here disagreeing with a wealth tax or, you know, any of that uh, kind of ideas or, or, you know, even Prop 13 reform. Uh, but the, the thing I struggle with is that SB 50 um, is being discussed right now. Or and it's was, not going to displace option. anyone. Uh, it was an option right now. And the versus, you know, the status quo, which is whatever the local municipalities have been doing and could be doing right now. And so picking between these two options feels much more practical to me um, and, and trying to choose, you know, maybe the lesser of two evils, if you will. But uh, I, I'm not claiming SB 50 is perfect. But and, and we, we talked about the downsides of the, the extra traffic uh and you know the construction and not being able to capture the fees to build the infrastructure mm-hmm. and all of that. I, I agree with all of that. It's just that, and and you mentioned that you never expected North Bay Shore Housing, um, basically Mountain View strategy for doing better, 
to be fast. So I am left wondering, is it okay that we delay? Is it okay that it's taken more than four years for us to build you know, the close to 10,000 units of To uh, start housing? building 100 to, units of that. Right. Um, so it's so been, we, 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 we have approved s- several hundred units in North Bay Shore, the Sobrato project. And I, in the last – well, there was the, the story in the, in the Daily Post about how Mountain View in two hours approved more housing than Palo Alto has done in yeah, five years. Good. The high bar. You know, we, we've – Mountain View has built or is building several thousand housing units. And now with state leg- – you know, the state legislation that I cared most about, AB 1505, we can do inclusionary zoning so we can get affordable housing, below market rate housing as part of that. That was that was a really important bill from the state. Uh, so we are, we are, it's not that we're building housing slowly, it's that the housing that Google's going to build is going to go slowly. But, I mean, Google, we, Google has this thing where they want to, you know, they basically... They want to build housing where they've got offices and they need to relocate the people in those offices into new offices before they build the housing. Um, and that's always been the factor that that, that makes it slower uh, as opposed to Terabella, the Terabella area where the property owners have, have leases with all the commercial tenants that are going to expire in two and a half years. And they want a plan so they can build housing as soon as that happens. In both of those cases, though, the thing that appears to be delaying at the moment is city council, right? Is that you're no longer on city council. City council is no longer quite as positive as moving forward quickly. And so we're not. So it looks like the Terabella vision is going forward. The count- but I thought they, they didn't. Gone. I was reading the staff report on the goal setting, and I don't think it made the cut for the next two years. Yes, Terabella development, that, that's, that is, as far as I can tell, that is dead. Uh, I, I could be wrong. But well, for it's, the next two years, well, yes. that might bring it back after. I think that, pro- that, that the, ship, uh, the ship has already left the port on that one. I think it's happening. But, you, you, but you know, again, the housing that Prometheus proposed, several hundred units on Evelyn, um, that was recently yeah. approved. Uh, the you know the Taco Bell affordable housing site was approved. Um, yeah, I, as as you know, I I am not I am not excited about the attitudes of all of our current council members, and it's going to take continuing pressure uh, to to maintain the the plans that we put together. The East Wisman plan is moving forward. That calls for five thousand housing units. But but continued pressure areas. from from interested you know pro-housing people is something that we just barely have here in Mountain View and across cities throughout the Bay Area that just those people just aren't there every day. And and, and can I add more to that? Like I, with a new baby, I only have so much time to spend on housing active, activism. So when I think to myself, I have one hour to spend. Should I spend that one hour pressuring Mountain View to build 500, like approve 500 more units? Or should I spend that one hour on SB50, which would not only force Mountain View to build way more, but also Palo Alto and Cupertino. And so, so why shouldn't I pick that other option? Why shouldn't I go after SB50 when it would fix the issue way faster? Well, first, I, I appreciate and appreciated when I was on council that you and David uh, would, would repeatedly come before council and remind us that there were young families that needed housing in Mountain View. I think you were very effective and hope you continue to do that. Um, 
since the 2018 election, we've reactivated the campaign for Balanced Mountain View. My former colleague, Pat Showalter, is one of the people who's taking the lead on this. And we are working to mobilize people uh, to make sure that the housing gets built to pressure on North Bay Shore and all that. Uh, so so th- because what happened to the campaign for Balanced Mountain View is we took over the, the city and people stopped coming to meetings, right. uh, Every, uh, uh, organ, organizing meetings. Yeah. Uh, now, now we're reactivating. Well, um, I mean, for the I, I think thing. there's state legislation that would be more effective, create less of a backlash uh, in generating housing in the communities that don't want to build it. And I think that has to do with providing the incentives of the type I've been talking about. Now, maybe you can come up with a stick that isn't one size fits all. Uh, you know, you know what? what you know, I, I criticized Scott Weiner for. for I, I, you know, I said, look, Cupertino has no transit. How you, you know your bill for, for for transit-oriented development doesn't do anything in Cupertino. Yeah. So we came up with this concept of a job-rich community. Yeah. But it's not well enough defined um, to, to put the housing in the in the right place. Maybe there's something that he can come up with that solves the Cupertino problem. I mean, I think it's definitely everything in Sacramento is deeply flawed, almost by necessity. But I just kind of view it by: Does it make Palo Alto homeowners upset? And if it does, I kind of know. Well, it must be doing something right. <laughs> and, and I don't know. It's I. I just I. I, I really love the attitude of just saying we need to kind of perfect this and work this. But I guess my main thing is, and we're talking about the displacement of homeowners if Prop 13 was repealed, I just think our attitude is if you're a renter and, you're, and your rents rise, people have so little sympathy. But if you get a couple million dollars in equity and have to walk away with bags of money, suddenly this is like off the table. And I just think we need to pull together and I think we so, need bigger ideas. So I've had a proposal for Palo Alto that I've been telling Pal- Palo Alto council members for a few years. And I read a story and I, I, I wish I knew more about the project. There's a proposal to build a lot of housing or built some housing on basically near Charleston and San Antonio. And what I've been telling them in terms of getting popular support is propose to build housing in that part of Palo Alto that everybody thinks is in Mountain View. Hmm. And, <laughs> and, right, but uh, that that still doesn't get any, any housing built next to the transit. Because the part you're talking about is, you know, it's almost at the San Antonio Caltrain station, which is it, but one of the least it, traffic it's, it's Caltrain within, stations. It's, it's the, what I'm talking about is within walking or biking distance of Google and into it. Um, now, I do, there, we are. I've been talking about uh, the San Antonio shuttle proposal. The you know some sort of a public shuttle sponsored by Palo, Palo Alto, Los Altos, and Mountain View along the San Antonio corridor. Um, that would make a lot of sense in terms of connecting to Caltrain, and it would serve all three cities well. Uh, so you have, yeah, definitely we need to create transit to support that kind of residential development. But the basically the places in Palo Alto that I see most likely as the best places to build a lot of housing are going to be the Stanford Research Park and the Stanford Shopping Center. Um, there may be some some places near near the Cal, their Caltrain stations. Uh, the problem we have with Caltrain is that California Avenue and San Antonio, yeah, that's transit, but they don't have very many trains still. 
Yeah, I, I think I, I think you are you become a master, and you you do a great you know, pitch for all these kinds of win-win opportunities. How can we actually make a political coalition make something that makes everyone moderately happy? And I think the amount of urgency of how many people are suffering demands more than win-win. I think we need to look for win-lose solutions across the board. So I I I think that if you end up forcing communities to accept housing that back that creates problems for a lot of the residents then they will find a way to block housing 66 percent of of uh california residents support sb50 like i i mean yes there are some people who are very vocally opposed to it but the fact is that i'm not sure why we're worried about political blowback when uh, of 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 the outcome of a bill because that seems to be the only downside you're describing. I think, I think so, it's, it's, so that, is, that there's some individuals. A city could, who, a city could you know, the, SB 50 applies basically to residentially zoned property. They could take, they could remove the residential zoning for the property. It applies to things that were residentially zoned as of the date that it's passed. Yeah, you can't unzone things as residential. If they were zoned when SB 50 is passed, you're not allowed to change the zoning. It's my. Memory. Same with you might can't have been locked in the, in the past. Wait, yeah, it's yeah. locked actually 2010. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think Lenny's saying make it apply everywhere, right? Or yeah, I mean I'm all forward with that. Well, if you wanted to apply to the commercial no. areas and say you know, uh, all no, property, no, I, I, the, I, I, uh, I think communities should be able to decide decide where to do it. They should be rewarded for building housing. Maybe they should be penalized for not building housing, but for somebody in Sacramento to invent but a SB formula. 50- that decides where that housing is going to go and exactly, you know, allow developers to have a blank check to build whatever they want uh, will, will not serve those communities. So, so your main uh, concern with SB 50 is the where question, well, it's but not where the and, amount. Where, where, it's going to lead how. to worse planning in the where, end. Where and how. Yeah. Uh, that, that some of the projects, you know, in the Terrabella area, we have testimony from neighbors that, they're concerned about people snaking through their neighborhood with with traffic. Uh, So the city uh, reduced the density in that part of Terrabella and increased it on Middlefield to compensate. Uh, Now, I don't necessarily agree with that, but we have a process where the neighbors can influence something and end up being more supportive of seeing housing built. I just think your fear. I mean, in my mind, I think you you have your everything you say. It's it's the thing that disappoints me. Is you're absolutely correct, but I think there's something bigger, which is the fact that, you know, yo, it's you're describing bees out there. Sorry. Yeah, I, and I just I, I think you talk about this backlash, and I just think if people were, you can't get much worse than we're doing now in so many so, places. So I I, I think the, the the political opportunity in Palo Alto is to use the Stanford General Use Permit Renewal to get Palo Alto people who tend to be a little nimbyish. A little bit. <laughs> no, no, I mean, the, the ones kind of in the middle. Oh, sure, the marginal ones. Yeah, to say, we want Stanford to build more housing on its land, even if it's in Palo Alto. And that that is an, op- a, an organizing opportunity because the Palo Alto nimbies hate Stanford. Yeah, and, and so so you you basically have an op. There's really an opportunity here to get housing built in the Stanford Research Park at the level that we're talking about in North Bay Shore. Every time you describe an opportunity, it seems like you're describing an opportunity of 
far less than, you know, probably in each instance, less than 1% of what that city is behind by. No, it's not just that. It's also like, you know, it's a lot of time and energy to organize for these things. And I and I appreciate it and I do it myself. But this is the first time in my entire life that I got disengaged politically because I saw a problem. I, you know, moved here when I was uh, 20-something and none of the previous cities I lived in, I felt like I need to step in because the government, frankly, is not doing its job, right? I was talking to Alison Hicks, who was saying the city is having a hard time maintaining their staff. You know, they hire someone and they do the training and the staff leaves. Our government is literally falling apart because, <laughs> because people can't, can't afford to live here. And, and uh, you know, I don't understand how much more dire the situation can get before people will feel the urgency. And the report comes out that, that the homelessness in Santa Clara County went up 31% in the past two years. And honestly, sometimes I lay in bed at night having trouble falling asleep because I cannot understand why everyone else isn't going crazy with how bad the situation is. And you're describing for us small, small, oh, here's 100 units that we can get built. Here's 500 units. We're not behind by that money, even per per city. (laughs) We're behind by, you know, literally the... How much? How much does uh, Mountain View size increase during the the weekday? Right, forty uh, percent. You know, hundred percent. So, it's so, it's huge. So, so Mount, you know, again, I'm worried because of the current city council. We have to organize to maintain the momentum. Mountain View has plans and proposals to increase our housing supply by seventy five to eighty percent. I'm going to feel that I need to show up at council for each one of those to, for there to be any chance so I'm, of them I'm to move forward. I'm going to pull the H card on you here. Yeah. Get used to it. <laughs> right, but that's what that's I'm saying. What I've been she doing didn't my have whole, to do that in Toronto. That, that's what I've been doing my whole life. If you think that we're, we can but, let but, our guard down and stop organizing. But in Toronto, they can organize about things that are a higher level than this, that are that are uh, the next level up the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We we ha- here in California have to organize just to get houses built. So, so, in, in elsewhere in the world, so, they can organize so we are, for... We're in a new unusual area in that we have too many good jobs and that that there aren't that many areas in the world that have our problem and so we only have too many too many in quotes good jobs because we have too few houses and we have too few houses because of poor policy if, if i were to say i think when you talk about organizing you have to organize you have to organize it's hard work you do it i were we're going upstream we're going uphill because everything is against us and the most important thing is to change it and here is i guess the pipeline i see of everything getting worse i have a you know a friend uh who i think lives a very comfortable life has a very good salary got a house and he became your worst enemy because you said the tra- the street parking in villa wasn't so bad he's like lenny siegel's he's complicit with too much housing not enough you know we need to stop it's too much you know and when you become a complacent homeowner who's made a big bet that like this is fine you live in a nightclub I just think you become a selfish, worse person. And I'll say this. I think to make real change for people who need it, the RV dwellers, the tenants, I think, I mean, this is me being a hyperbolic. I think tenants need to turn against homeowners and say, it's us versus you. And I, 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 I think, tell me where I'm wrong. I, 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 I be, and, and this maybe Mountain View is different than other communities. We have had homeowners come and testify in favor of affordable housing. But not enough. Store. 
We, uh, for what it's worth, David and I do ho- own our home. Also. <laughs> and we do testify in favor of housing, but most of the other people who are there with us are not so, homeowners. So if you, if you look at the results on the rent control measure, Measure V in Mountain View, Wait, 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 wait. Rent control is not about increasing the supply of housing. No, no, no I, I know, but, but in terms of the attitudes of homeowners, because you're talking about vehicle dwellers, sure. that the most conservative areas of Mountain View, all homeowners, you know, 25, 30% of the people voted for rent control, and that's why we were able to pass it. Yeah. If we put a referendum on the ballot to prevent the city council from throwing out the people living in motor homes, I believe that it's a large fraction, maybe even a majority of homeowners, will vote against that. Um, so, so there, you know, while yeah, there are some people who are complacent. You know, nobody wants an RV parked in front of their house. In fact, no RVs are parked in front of people's houses. Um, you know, no, nobody wants that. But in terms of citywide policy, if you organize people, if you cast the issues in the right way, in a place like Mountain View, you can win. And what, what I told Scott Weiner is. Look at the city that's been able to build housing. How have they done it? It yeah. hasn't been by having a state, the state telling them what to do. It's been through local organizing. And I believe Palo Alto is close to 50-50 on whether to move ahead and build housing. And it's a, you know, if, if the energy that has gone in to uh, forcing, Palo Al- you know, forcing cities like Palo Alto to let the state tell them what to do, we're going into getting a good plan for affordable housing and for for more housing in Mount in Palo Alto. I think holding up any city. city in California as a positive example of housing building yeah. is is incredibly misleading. I think. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, if you look at the amount, uh, I mean, if you look at the amount, for instance, Tokyo has increased in population over the past uh, uh, you know couple decades. It's it's huge compared to. Any American city. Well, and look at, and look that, at the, there are housing policies you yeah, can have. There are a lot in, more people living in Mountain View now than live there. There aren't when I double moved though. Here. There aren't double. More than double. Tokyo. In oh, when you move here, yes, yeah. certainly. I was I was thinking of <laughs> Tokyo. Tokyo has doubled over uh, the last, uh, I think, thirty years, and we haven't doubled in yeah. my lifetime. And. And they're a much larger city, and they're still capable of doubling in size, and they're continuing to grow like that. And I just think we we structurally do not have the ability to accommodate change. And I think when change happens, I think a lot of people who are stakeholders grind in their heels, and they don't really pitch in at all. And I think you talk about you know uh, places that like really have a completely different attitude of what is a responsibility. A place like Singapore, where people it's pretty much all land owned, uh, land owned by the state. The city it is, uh, and uh, they have like public housing program. It's it's, uh, and they're talking about the waiting list. They they're getting down to six weeks. And you talk about in California, we're talking about decades. And I just think there's not the urgency there because many people say like, I got mine. You know, screw I, you. I I don't think you'll get very far by putting Singapore forward as an example of a society <laughs> where people who live in California want to live. It sure, is, but you can put forward Tokyo as that. Forty-five percent of Tokyo is single detached oh, homes. Forty-five percent of Tokyo is single detached homes. I mean, like you—they—they they, they both are very dense, continue to get denser, and have huge swaths of of uh, what we would essentially call suburbs. And I, and I think I'll just say I think you're one hundred percent right. But I dream big. I'm a pacifist. <laughs> I dream of an end of homeownership wealth and land ownership wealth. And this is a crazy idealistic dream, but I still believe it's correct to say, even if you think war is not going to end, you have to fight against it. And I just think we need to say the moral message is we need massive change, not a little bit of change. And I think we really need 
we need the dreamers to dream bigger. That's my biggest thing. And I think you are your whole life an idealist. I, 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 and I, 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 I share, share your views uh, <laughs> on that. And if you want to get into to left ideology, I do. Uh, there's, a, <laughs> there's a book called Strategy for Labor by Andre Gortz, which talks about structural reforms that, that have, you know, if, how do you demand change that's practical in the short run that will lead to more substantial change in the long run? And the idea is you make demands that are not only for quantities, but for control. And this is, he focused on the workplace, but it's the same in, when you look at municipalities or, or you know, local land use um, planning jurisdictions, that the idea is to democratize decision making. And we call ourselves a democracy, yet most of the decisions that are made in this country are made by private capital. Mm. And until we democratize the economy and, and make demands to democratize the economy, uh, we are going to have these problems. The problem to me, you know, home ownership, you, you, you see, is the problem. I see the one fa- of the problems. Yeah, I, I, I see that we have uh, the perhaps the greatest accumulation of wealth in human history, Another repre- big <laughs> represented by Apple, Google, Facebook, and other companies around here. And as long as they are deciding where the employees are going to go. Um, then, then we will not solve our problems. What's interesting is that a lot of the NIMBY people on the local city councils, they see the problem as limiting the power of Apple and Google and Facebook to hire more people. Yeah. Um, I think that's they're right, um, but they're using that as an excuse to not build housing. Um, they will probably come up with an employer tax in Palo Alto. Uh, but... But, you know, in terms of the big change that you're looking for, you know, why is it that, that, it, that it's okay for somebody to invent a new app and make a billion dollars uh, and have that control and then decide where the, the, the people who produce the, their, uh, their product are going to live? Uh, that's, that's the root of the problem. And, and they're free riding. You know, they say, oh, there's going to be service workers from Tracy commuting in. We get those for free. You know, it's just all these yeah. assumptions on their responsibility to, uh, to, uh, to you know, basically pay back for the services they're getting. And I think that involves the housing services that we ourselves aren't willing to accommodate. So, so, so let me go back in time again. I brought with me not only the promised land, which you mentioned, but a pamphlet that I edited in was 1971 or 72 called Regionalism in the Bay Area. The Regionalism pamphlet argued that the Bay Area Council, which represented the largest corporations in the Bay Area, uh, back in those days, they were mostly in San Francisco. I think Hewlett Packard was one of them. uh, were basically promoting regional government because local government wasn't solving problems and weren't building enough housing. We needed, you know, to, to deal with the Bay. The corporate sector in the Bay Area has had this long, ever since World War II, has been pushing for regional government. And that serves their interests. They are equipped to make decision to, to influence decisions on a regional basis. Ever since we did that research, I've opposed taking away power from local jurisdictions, even though there are some local jurisdictions that can, like Los Altos and Atherton that have consistently made bad decisions over the years. So in the context of governance, the 
I see that the fact that the big corporations and, and their associations are pushing for this housing legislation, it's part of their approach to governance. It's not just housing that they're looking at. And so that's that's one of the reasons that I I jump immediately to saying you got to prove to me why taking away power from local communities is a good thing. But, but you don't believe in a local government for all issues, right? So on housing, you think it should be local and not regional. But what about transportation, for example? Isn't it the case that because there is no regional transportation agency that is common between Barton, Caltrain, and, and all the rest of them, that that's why we, you know, it's been taking so long to electrify Caltrain and, and get all the cities to agree to like you know make changes to their stations and so on? Well, the, 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 there are... You know, places in Europe where they have multiple agencies and it works. For us in Santa Clara County, because we have a regional transportation agency where a majority of the board members are current or former San Jose City Council members, um, they are eliminating our public transit and uh, not serving the commute that Mountain View, Palo Alto, Sunnyvale. That doesn't explain why BART doesn't get past San Mateo, though. So, so one of the articles in the um, in my pamphlet from from 1971 is about BART and how BART was devised as a way to uh, Manhattanize San Francisco and Manhattanize San Francisco and gentrify uh, neighborhoods in the East Bay. Um, so, um, BART is being seen now as a way to build up downtown San Jose. It, BART is a land use planning tool. It was never seen as mass public transit. Uh, so the so I mean, if no one's going to use it as transit, then it doesn't do anything. So clearly, it must no, no, have it, some it, transit effect. But it, but it also had the effect of destroying neighborhoods. Uh, and so uh, the the problem we have is that these transit agencies are not necessarily being operated in the, to benefit the entire population. Um, and so we saw a deterioration of public transit in San Francisco, even as BART grew and we got all these tall office buildings in, in, in downtown San Francisco, uh, rather than having good regional planning. Yeah, regional planning is a good idea, but only if the, the public throughout the region has power to combat the power of the corporations. I would just say I think you, you describe when you talk the Manhattanization of San Francisco back in the 70s, one I, I see is like a... a like a, a pitfall of the left on housing is if you avoid the massive visual growth, you will make things more equitable. And I think we've seen a Bay Area that for decades has done a lot to resist the the big visible signs of capital building towers, but has still seen the pervasive suffering caused by capital yeah. in low development areas. And I just think that we need to actually build new tools to say resisting development is not enough and not the answer because I think, unfortunately, I think you're one of the, the you know one of the few people who I think has a, a left message and knows I think how to accommodate the right amount of growth. And I think, unfortunately, both the far left and the far right are kind of just don't build anything ever. Is a lot of what you get out of it in practice, at least. So, but but I don't. The people I, I've worked with throughout the Bay Area don't say don't build anything. Yeah. What? When you use the phrase Manhattanization as a as a negative, and like, what are you referring to when you say Manhattanization? If not the visual, and, and then you talked about the tall buildings being built and all of that. That that's 
that that's the thing that it appears to be the thing we've historically attempted to avoid, and yet we've lost equitableness of things nonetheless. Is the concentration of employment? Yeah, and we don't and accommodate. The, it and well. the difficulty we have, and this is true for Mountain View, is we don't control employment. Yeah, we can control the development of office space. Yeah, well, but what what happened but, but is that we, you have know, to, well, we have but, to work within those bounds. Th- those are the bounds we're in, and we must work within well, them. And well, let's be more idealistic for for a second sure. and say, what what do you think should happen instead? What do you think the Googles of the world should do? Should they like spread out their workforce uniformly across? Well, I I, I think they should either be publicly owned or owned by their employees. Oh, but do you think if they're owned by the employees so, so, that the employees would vote for let's all not live in Mountain View and go live somewhere else? I, I think they might vote for uh, putting develop creating more jobs in places that need them. Why would employees vote for that? Because they want to they want to buy a house. <laughs> That's not the same thing. You're talking about them tra- employees voting for the benefit of uh, new employees who don't exist yet. But I, I mean, as as much as the the we can talk about the sort of a this imaginary scenario where these these companies yeah. are, are worker owned, it seems unlikely that that's what they would I, be focusing on I, I as can. their primary goal. <laughs> and jump in one more thing. You're talking about this kind of more equitable world, but you still have an allocation problem: who lives where and who decides who gets to live where. And it sounds like if it's about who gets to buy a home, it's still home ownership is a is a system in which who has the money bids up who who grabs their stake in the community. So, so in the in the case here, it's when you when you arrived here, and when you were ready to buy a home. Yeah. Um, that it's you got first dibs. You know, so that there are people who have much higher incomes than I have who can't afford to buy my house. Yeah. And so, uh, but. But you know, we were getting a little off track in terms of idealism. Uh, the challenge for, for cities is how do you actually uh, limit the growth of employment uh, given, one, the politics nobody wants to do be seen as being anti-jobs, and secondly, that you have limited tools. Now, Mountain View in North Bayshore has created tools for that, that we will limit not only do we limit the uh, construction of offices, building permits for offices, based on the, the trip, trip count. count, the amount of cars that are going into North Bayshore, but we actually, for Charleston East, we have a limit. In order to build, build that, Google had to agree to limit, to limit their number of employees in North Bayshore. The problem is with the inequitable distribution of wealth, and this is among corporations, all Google does is they buy property elsewhere in Mountain View, and they displace other companies, and then they just make it hard for startups to find a place in Mountain View. Yeah. Makes raise the rent, so I can't afford the rent for my my nonprofit. Uh, so that's the framework we've got to work in, and that the fact that we have to work in that framework is the reason why all I see as the the primary thing we should be doing is. Building more housing is what we can do. Don't don't go approving a bunch more, you know, a bunch more office buildings. That that seems pretty obvious. But at the same time, you know, way way more housing, and and uh, nothing seems to get that done particularly quickly, short of state level action. So I I, I don't know whether you've read Dick Walker's book, um, Portraits of a of a, was it a lost city or something like that. Yeah, a, a, a UC geographer. Um, there's always a lag. In housing construction, uh, well, we're at thirty years now. No, but 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 
even when it's being built, it's not built as fast as, as jobs. And then the jobs go away and there's still housing that's built because there's a pandemic. Okay, I don't think we're in any danger of, of that when we're 30 years behind at the moment, though. So, but, I mean, <laughs> Mountain View didn't build apartments for 30 years. Yeah. And, and that was some, that's something that we've been able to correct politically. Uh, but, but, but I think because we've built thirty years worth of apartments, I think it, this is based on an assumption, which is it's correct and feasible to have a, apartment bans in the first place. I would say Euclid v. Ohio was was a way of creating class segregation from the beginning. It's about saying the base assumption is the rich have the ability to keep away the poor apartment dwellers from them, and that's the assumption we work with. I think an idealistic say is saying you can't determine who lives next to you so, so we didn't have a, a ban on apartment development it was it, it you know people could there wasn't built, enough demand for it at the time. In, you know it, it it wasn't a matter of restriction uh it was a matter uh, i mean there there were some things that, that you know there were people opposed a particular plan at the mayfield mall and delayed it enough that the economy changed, but the economy had a, has a lot to do with the fact that a lot of housing hasn't been built. But we now have we have a new situation uh, where um, there's at least in California and outside of the Trump and the Republican Party, uh, the globe agrees that we have a climate crisis. People shouldn't be commuting uh, in cars. Uh, that the, our Absolutely. major our, yeah. our major contribution to greenhouse gas emissions are the cars of people commuting. And so while it used to be that, that urban planners thought it was okay to have a Manhattan, to have a Manhattanized San Francisco, to have the loop in Chicago, and massive inward commute supported by public transit, um, I think we're moving away from a situation where that, that sort of inward, outward commute Idea. Right, but we already have the tall office buildings. We have to build the the tall residential to go next to it. That's that's what it sounds like. The answer to your to your question is. Well, but but is, is, you're, tall, you're saying you're for so, tearing down so, Salesforce no, no, Tower right now. No, no, no. So isn't that what I'm doing? Yeah, Lenny's all for putting tall, tall residential right next to Google. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, what we've been fighting for for I mean, the past. I've four done years. as much sure. as anybody to do. What you're saying? Well, ten thousand units is still not even an, as many employees, or even close. I, th- I think so, this so, is yeah. so. So, so we do have have a situation where, uh, depending upon the you know the formulas you use, how many employees per square foot, where Mountain View builds all the housing we're talking about, we still may end up even because of all the office growth, and but that's. Again, and, and that's still but not that, talking and that about make up Palo Alto for, and Cupertino yeah, exactly. and all but, the others. But that's also assuming uh, as. A Google, a real estate manager told me that employment is going to grow 10% a year indefinitely. And we know that's not the case. We live in a capitalist system where we're going to have a downturn. And that downturn is going to reduce the job increases. How, how much did that reduce the employment increase of Google, the last downturn? They had tens of thousands of employees already. North, you know, if you look at the data on North Bayshore, oh yeah, North Bayshore employment because because that was that's where probably Google around was. when SGI or yeah, they were some smaller other, so, other companies. So, so uh, there will be a downturn, and we will have fewer jobs. But there, with all these people who've been commuting from Tracy and uh, Manteca or wherever, um, that more there will still be pent up demand for the housing. Uh, so uh, I would, yes, I, I. 
Well, I got to tell you, in 1978, when I was on the Environmental Planning Commission, I opposed the industrial development of North Bayshore because of the jobs housing imbalance. So I do have a consistent record on this. Uh, I was unsuccessful. <laughs> Speaking of 78, how, how alarmed were you with Prop 13 in 78, and how much did the vision yeah. of how it happened yeah. correspond with what you predicted at the time? So, so the major concern at the time about Prop 13, it was a windfall for apartment owners. And that, so we, organize, we and other cities, activists around California, organized basically rent, what we called rent relief. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we had too many signatures disqualified. The ballot was put off, and we were in a, and, and then we lost the election. The landlords outgunned us. Um, it's actually historically it was hard in a place like Mountain View uh, to to when people had a rent increase in Mountain View. They they'd sign a petition, then they'd leave town. Mm. In bigger cities, they'd move, but they were still in the same town, and they yeah. could still vote. So we lost those elections pretty bad. Um, I've lived in four cities at the peninsula in the last four years. But but um, that that was a major concern is that it was put forward as a way to protect older homeowners, but it was designed actually to help the landlords. Mm. Yeah. And and that was our, our major you – know, now, the cities opposed it because they would lose revenue. The school districts opposed it because they would lose revenue. By It shifted revenue – from the city to the state and gave state more control over cities because the cities couldn't generate their so own revenue. Did you oppose it then? Oh yeah. Oh, but I you don't oppose, but you but you you oppose revoking it now. So so so. I mean, what, we're not going to we're not going to ask you to pay all the taxes that you didn't pay in the interim. Like you, you got a great deal what, for what, quite a while. So so in order to make it work, you would have without displacing a lot of older homeowners, you would have to phase it in over time. Not yes. necessarily. You could have, for example, you can say you forfeit your land to the city, but you still live there. You can have a community land trust. There's a lot of ways to avoid displacement. You so, could so, make it age-based. That means yeah, see, there's a million ways. Yeah. You don't have to you know, so, be so, slow about it. So it's proving hard enough simply to go after industrial. Sure, certainly. certainly. So, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not against... I mean, I'm for, ch- for changing or eliminating Prop 13, but being careful about the way it's done because it won't happen if we, if we aren't. Sure. I, I just think you need kind of I a mean, fierce again, a fierce fringe to make sure no, like the most extreme people aren't like, yeah. we should do mild reform. I think we need yeah. some people saying we need to repeal it if, yesterday. If, if we're the charge. idealists here, like we shouldn't be arguing among ourselves. Let's With our idealism, that's great, but let's go with something that people are going to be accepting of. You well, know? The, the immediate one that's going to be on the ballot in 2020 is it's a start. The, split the split roll. Yeah. And I'm hoping that'll pass. Yeah. But, I mean, the, but I'm, I'm hoping it'll pass, too. But we have to admit that if it does, it's going to make it harder to actually uh, get rid of the, the main the main part. Yeah. And it also it's going to create a perverse incentive. Exactly. Where cities will want more industrial property yeah. because they'll be getting more money from it. It doesn't and, solve the San Jose and when, problem. And if, and if we pass that, then all the more reason that the state's going to also have to take action yeah. to fix the problem it will have just yeah. created yeah. and force cities to zone more dense residential. I, I kind of want to come back to something that Lenny brought up, which was um, democratizing control and decision making. Um, what's your opinion on the kind of people who show up to council to advocate for things? Well, some of you are very good. And <laughs> the, the people who came and, and told us that marijuana will destroy, marijuana stores will destroy their children, uh, were totally ignorant. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great forum. What we... You know, the the concern I have 
is that with the current council, is there people, some people who got elected on false pretenses? Oh, uh, no. My, what yeah. I was getting at was um, in terms of like uh, repeated appearance of the same folks. And like, do you think do you think the folks that show up and basically have an outsized impact on the decisions the council make are represent? Is that is that democracy in action? Is, is that democracy enough? Do they represent the whole populace uh, or, you know, the people who have maybe two jobs and don't have time to show up or, you know, you you probably remember Jeremy, um, mm-hmm. our friend, who also has a little baby and, right. and you know, his situation. Dave, David and I happen to be lucky enough that, that his family live close by and they help us out a lot, but his family is not nearby. So just having one kid means that suddenly he doesn't have the extra time to advocate for these things anymore. So I guess what I'm asking is what could the city do to allow all the rest of the people to also have a voice in those decisions. And do you think that if we do that, that we'll see a difference in the kind of decisions the council makes? Um, Perhaps a slight change. What we've seen on like the Rock Street, there were people who couldn't who couldn't afford to come to council came came anyhow because they yeah, but were so it came desperate. to them losing their homes. Yeah, so basically, yeah, anyone right. who's not losing their homes yeah. isn't motivated to show yeah. up. So what the, she's asking so, about, I so think, the is c- like city has done some surveys on things, but they aren't scientific. And you know, sometimes yeah. when you do, when you do a survey and people don't know all the details of the legislation, you you get a you know you don't get a full sense of where they're at. Sure. Um, we rely on elections. Elections have consequences. Sure, and. Uh, I, I just think that everything is disproportionately energy is put in by the very comfortable, and the very comfortable are concerned about traffic and parking and you know other amenities and shadows. And I think people who have real suffering and commute three hours, so, and people uh, who are displaced, so, are, don't don't have the same time. So the people who commute three hours are at a disadvantage. There's no question about that. Yeah. But other than the the Chinese immigrants who came to council to oppose marijuana stores, the biggest turnouts over the last four or five years that I've seen have been from low-income people yeah. uh, yes. and their supporters. Uh, and they don't always win the support of the council, as you saw on rent control, but it built the, the momentum for a ballot measure. So as, as an organizer... You know, I think it's important to get people to council meetings, to make statements, to be heard, and then if if you're unsuccessful, uh, to figure out a way to use to use that at the ballot box. So here's a question for you about kind of your support of saying local control is essentially good and needs to be preserved. I agree in large sense, but I think there are mas- massive flaws. One of which is the fact people who are outside of a city but depend upon that city. I think deserve a voice, and they're denied it. You know, s- systemically now, people who are commuters aren't represented, and they, I think, are underserved by a community that they are effectively part of. And what do you think? What do you think can be done about this? That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I think it's one of the big. The, it's one of the big issues uh, of local control. And and you know, there are ways to organize people and to get them to show up. As commuters at council meetings, if they can, they should be influencing their employers to be much clearer about the need to build housing. Like if I were an employee at LinkedIn, yeah, I would say, LinkedIn, what are you doing to, to build housing? 
and LinkedIn is doing something now. Uh, Google has been responsive because they've heard from their employees that even if they're on the buses, they don't really want to commute. So Google is pushing for more housing. And those are the more well-off employees opposed to the service employees who may be coming from Antica. So, so, this, so um, the vehicle for that is the United Service Workers West, which has organized the janitors and the security workers. And not only are they working for more money, they supported me in the work I've been doing for, for more housing. Um, they, it's not an ideal situation. Their members can't afford a lot of, you know, to give a lot of money to the union to, and for the union to give me money in my campaign. But there are vehicles like that. But it, yeah, there there is a problem um, in the situation. But but state legislation to me doesn't solve that problem. I don't think it does. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I think you. I think there's. It, it's it's at best and, a patch on and it. and. One of the things that Dick Walker points out in his book is the Bay Area is larger than it used to be. So many of the, so we have the, all these institutions that are designed to bring together the nine county Bay Area, yet uh, it's now what twenty counties. Yeah. So I think I, I've 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 not read his book. I've, I've seen, yeah. uh, but I have heard some interviews the latest, and I think Richard Walker. A lot of what he's saying, it seems to be very very reassuring to kind of the anti-development mindset saying the problem isn't scarcity of housing it's big uh it's you know big uh capitalist money and i think he's not wrong but i think there is a mindset of saying we have to choose either against big business or you know you're against scarcity of housing i think realizing that this man-made scarcity actually serves a lot of incredibly venal wealth and rent seeking i think is i i think it's really hard like i think it's bad that a lot of times we're making a choice and saying we should address big business and rent seeking so so, so, yeah. so dick supports what we've been doing in mountain view in terms of building more housing sure what he provides is a framework for viewing the entire bay area um so so i don't think you can use this book as an argument against building housing the the question is. I think a lot of people do, though. Unfortunately, uh, I haven't heard it. So, okay. So, uh, but again, you have it. It helps you question the alliances that you make with big business uh, when you try to build that housing. And you do have, you know, I, you know, I work with developers that are the largest landlords, anti rent control landlords in Mountain View to build more housing. That you have to make tenuous alliances. Hmm. You have to work with Google. You have to work with Prometheus uh, if you want to get housing built. But that doesn't mean that um, you allow their ideology and their approach to the distribution of wealth and income to influence your basic ideology. I'm stuck back on the uh, being (laughs) the two options. They have the sort of false choice between being being uh, 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 in favor of building more yeah. more housing, or or uh, or so, being in favor so, so, of so, so, you know, working with corporations. I've, I've said in Mountain View, you, you talked about someone was talking about public employees. The biggest obstacle to building housing in Mountain View is a shortage of planners. Uh, that, yeah. That's that's what's held us up, and uh, also the assumption that we need to plan everything very yeah, and the lack of areas that are zoned for higher density housing. I, I would say that we have. That we have places that projects that we're, are moving forward. Yeah, but, but what percentage be- of Mountain View is zoned R one? 
but we have it's high. We have it's probably ba- higher than we the- have basic. We have plans in place for adding twenty or thirty thousand housing units, mostly in medium. Well, people here call high density, uh, but it's medium density housing. We have that, and projects are delay, delayed. You know, we've had proposals come to council, and the council said, put them off because we don't have the staff to evaluate them. Yeah. So we've got that problem. We have the fact that we ha- we don't have... It's a problem for some. It's not a problem if the status quo serves you well. Well, no, it, we, in terms of getting housing built, yeah. we also have a bottleneck with construction labor. Where the costs have gone up because be, of housing. because because we lack the construction labor and you know we don't have enough people uh, in the unions we don't have enough people living close mm-hmm. by to build the housing and there's not enough effort that has gone into training people to work in construction uh, and part of that problem is that people. Basically, Anglo's don't see that the the way that they're kids should make a living is in blue collar work mm-hmm. and so pe- well because they can see that if their kids choose to take up blue collar work they won't be able to live in mountain view because we're not building enough housing <laughs> so i think we've been going on for quite a bit we need to we need to wrap up so i think everybody uh and final thoughts around around the room we start with pars didn't mean to put you on the spot. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, the one thing that I would like to at some point talk to Lenny, and maybe that could be a separate uh, conversation, is just density itself and if he thinks it's a good thing or not, especially given the environmental aspect. Um, because you seem to think that if, if Google was owned by its employees, they would actually vote to spread it out. But that's the opposite of density. Uh, I, I actually. No, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that they, they would build some of their tall buildings in Detroit. Oh, okay, got not, it. Not, 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 not sprawl. Uh, in, in parts of the country that need economic growth, that, that, that one of the biggest negative consequences of our, our form of capitalism is the concentration of, of, of growth in, in certain areas of the country. Got it. Thanks for the clarification. Then, then maybe we actually do agree on that. So. <laughs> I, I think I disagree, which is I think that job markets, I don't think, are really a factor of our model of, of uh, you know, capitalism as much as the fact that I think it does, make, it does make a lot of sense that a lot of people with similar interests working in tech would agglomerate one region. And I think no matter if things were more equitable, I think you'd still see agglomeration. And I think it's our job to accommodate if, that. If you internalize the costs... Uh, that might not be the case. Mm. That's is the, the fact that they're externalizing the cost of transportation and housing. The company doesn't have to pay for it. Therefore, agglomeration makes sense. Now, you do have the problem of startups. This is the best place in the world to do a startup. And you do a startup where you can hire people from Google and Facebook. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I think if you internalize the cost, to me, that would mean we would see a lot more infill, infrastructure, and yeah. kind of dense development would be the way you internalize the cost. And, but you know, I guess I mean, if, I, if you I, let I don't, them, I don't. Even though I advocate for building a lot more housing in the Bay Area, I also think we need to move a lot of the jobs elsewhere. That we cannot sustain this level of employment growth indefinitely. I mean, you're talking about moving the existing jobs, though, right? You, you, you do you mean you, you say future growth you'd like to see elsewhere, or are you saying that you want to actually try to lower the level of 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 uh, of jobs that are here, because presumably you mean the second. So, so 
I don't even dream right now of, of lowering the number of jobs except for in a recession. Yeah. Uh, it's... Well, sorry. You know what? I just realized we're are, are we still in Partis's final thought? Is that what this yeah. this yes. section yeah. is? Yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. Let's sorry. let's no, back that out a little bit. Yeah, why don't you close your final thought? Okay. <laughs> now, what's your final thought? Oh, I'm next. Oh, yikes! I was yep. sure we were going to go in a circle. The uh, listeners no. can't actually see the circle we're sitting in. Actually, uh, no. I want I want to add to my final oh, thought. Sorry. Go you for can, it. You can fix this. Um, <laughs> my 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 final thought is I. I, I see agglomeration and density as uh, a positive. I don't see it as a stick. Uh, I you know we I, we have to drive up to the city to watch a ballet, and yes, I understand that Mountain View has a performing art, art center, but you know it it can't attract the same kind of talent that that San Francisco does um, because San Francisco is you know slightly denser. Um, so, so to me, like it would be nice if everywhere was dense and lots of population, and and I genuinely like more neighbors. So, so I see it as a benefit. But uh, I guess I wish I lived in a world where I could get other people to see things that way. So. Okay, okay. You wanted a final thought from from me. Uh, I, I think I really just have to sort of go back to uh, the my 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 point about um, Mountain View being uh, proud of its uh, proud of the amount of housing that we've built and. Yeah, uh, as I said, I, I'm I'm happy that we're doing better than our neighbors. But uh, I've got here. I mean, to, we still see reporting like the the reporting that's that's about us from outside is is both about the the lack of housing that we built and the uh, the failures that uh, of 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 Mountain View to 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 accommodate the the population who who already live here. Right. Uh, I. Uh, I just saw. I was kind of depressed to see uh, yesterday reporting that um, there were there were folks chanting uh, "build a wall" at uh, a recent uh, city council meeting in uh, San Jose. Uh, no, in Mountain View. Oh no! Uh, that was uh, reporting from Boing Boing. I I wasn't at that city council meeting because I haven't had time to go to city council meetings recently. Well, but uh, I, I suspect it's the one where uh, they made the decision to. Um, uh, to to ban RVs, right? That the the, the two sort of things no, that. Not- it wasn't there. I'm not sure that happened to Mountain View. I uh, yeah, I, I agree. They, I, they, I, it, seems, it seems it seems unlike it seems like it must be misreporting. But yeah, either way, there's uh, we we did fail though, one way or the other. We've uh, the the RV RV ban is moving forward. The uh, we're going to stop it. ACLU I, I hope so. I, I hope so. I, I certainly they, that that report from the ACLU on, on on trying to stop us sounds sounds great. The the biggest scary part there, right, is that that hasn't worked in the other cities. Right, I mean, they're all all of our neighboring cities have the same large vehicle bans, and uh, those haven't. Not really, but. Well, I mean, our our city council seems to think that the neighboring cities all have it, and that's their justification for why they're going to do it. But they don't. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> uh, is ours is ours worse? No, it's just uh, well, we we have more visible motorhomes, people living in, in motorhomes. Uh, but coming here, you, you probably saw a whole bunch. Oh, yeah, on El Camino. On El Camino. Yeah. Uh, a whole bunch in East Palo Alto. I know Sunnyvale said they had to repeal their ordinance. It's, oh, it was challenged and no, they, they were it forced was, to repeal it? It repealed it years ago because of the L.A. case. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm devoting a lot of my time right now to preparing for a referendum campaign uh, to stop the to ban stop on, 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 on vehicle residences. Oh, so actually going just as, as you said, I'm, I'm happy you were, yeah. you were earlier talking about that in a hypothetical, but I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that that, that can work as, yeah, we've, a, as we've, a real world we've, thing. We've, we've retained lawyers. Uh, we're, we're holding meetings, uh, but we don't know when the council's actually going to pass an ordinance, so we, we, we aren't, aren't sure uh, exactly what our timetable is. Uh, but that, that's a high priority for me. Um, 
You, are you done with your? Oh, oh yes, go okay. go next. I, I I really want to find uh, if figure out if it's Bloomberg or Boing Boing who screwed this up, but. Uh, Please so, go ahead. Uh, Bloomberg did have an article about mm-hmm. the vehicle. The uh, RV camp sprang up outside Google's headquarters. Now yeah. Mountain View wants to ban it. There yeah. was a, a second round of build a wall in San Jose. I wonder if they conflated it somehow. It probably. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I believe, and this is what I've devoted much of my life to, uh, that community organizing is the best way to address these kinds of problems. It doesn't mean I don't want the state to do anything to help solve the housing problem. There are a lot of things it can do um, that would be more effective that I think than the legislation taking away uh, local land use authority. There may be certain areas where where there is a need to 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 penalize cities uh, for not building housing. I may go for that. Um, but I in terms of the organizing that I expect to do is I want to support presidential candidates mm-hmm. that support uh, ta- uh, more equitable distri- using the tax system to support more equitable distribution of income and wealth. And that the focus of that right now is national because of the people who are running and, and are espousing that. Um, and I think that we have to f- figure out a way to fit that national trend uh, into the local organizing that we're doing, and turns out that's that's actually somewhat of a challenge that we everybody is so focused on Trump nationally that it's hard for people to relate our housing shortage to federal policy, and we have to overcome that. Uh, and uh, but uh, I am optimistic that we'll get more housing built throughout the Bay Area. We I've seen a change. It's not fast enough. David's right. But I've seen a change in many cities along the peninsula, and I will continue working not only in Mountain View, but like a, right now the focus has to be Stanford uh, to see that more housing gets built. Uh, we can do it. Um, I would prefer to do it in a way that people use it to understand the basic flaws in our economic system uh, because we'll have other problems if we don't do that. I mean, how much longer do we have to go without significant housing, you know, policy change before we start admitting that this not that the local approach just doesn't work? Well, I, I mean, I mean, like, I, I feel I, like you, I, we should set like it seems like a, the right right here is a place you can set, a, you know, maybe I, I wouldn't ask you to put set numbers right now. But don't you think that at some point you could set set a number and say, like, you know, over this many years, this much growth is what you'd like to see to be able to say, like, yeah, I'm going to continue to go to stay with the local controls the right way. But at some point you, you, you would admit that there would be a, a point. At which, if, if it was literally zero, zero new houses over 10 years uh, in local control, you'd say, okay, now's the time for the state to step in? Uh, it depends upon what you mean by the state stepping in. Just SB 50. You would be fa- in favor of SB 50 if suddenly all, all new housing stopped getting approved so, by local so, housing, so, local uh, so if, communities if, if over, state, over some time. The state needs to improve the, the RENA allocations, the regional housing needs assessment. Because right now Stanford doesn't have to do anything. Uh, yeah, but we're still behind. It, like, it, you know, but but if we create a better system, that cities would be penalized for not meeting their goals. 
But right now, you can't do that because the, the goals are inequitable, and Beverly Hills doesn't have to do anything, and Stanford doesn't have to do anything. Well, are you thinking that the penalization will be in the form of, like, further fees and, and taxes that could then be used for, I don't know, public housing or something like that? Something, some, some, something like that. Okay. Whether it's incentives or penalties, uh, a finan- create a, a financial uh, incentive for cities to build housing. Uh, and and the state can do that. I prefer to do it in a way that addresses the the uh, the costs that are created by the new housing. Uh, but that to me is better than taking away local decisions. Now there might be some form of local decision making uh, that could be limited. Um, we've already done that. Let's say with accessory dwelling units. Uh, I supported state legislation for that, uh, where you have you have to allow every city has to allow what Mountain View decided to do. So there may be specific things that the state can do, but I still believe that the best way to get housing built is to is to organize in a city and have that city decide where and how it's going to build. So. I, I think if there's one thing I would respond to kind of you talk about the national level being extremely important right now is I think we lack the politics and ideas to I think change things equitably enough based upon the assumptions and things we take for granted. To my mind, to make local control work, we need to do a lot to stop local rent seeking and local wealth accumulation and people who just are selfish by design and the whole system is making them selfish. And I would say even at the top level, Bernie is, you know, uh, along with Warren, but Bernie is one of the two furthest left candidates. Yeah. And, uh, and like he doesn't even have the guts to really kind of talk about funding public housing again because to the suburban American mindset, it's poison. I think even yeah. here, we're in the but, we're in a deep blue area and it's still suburban supremacy here. But but Bernie's one of the people who who initiated the success of community land trusts when he was mayor of Burlington, Vermont. Sure. But it sounds like you're 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 hoping that he's not not that he's not being forward about his 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 uh his actual beliefs, because he's he, uh, you're not denying that he, he he doesn't come out as a as a major thing in, in favor of of uh, public housing or of of anything that would make a really significant difference in the housing aspect of this. You talk about community interest, you know, more and more, but even there, that was an area where you had a bunch of kind of rural Vermont land. Yeah. It's very different to acquire the land in the heart yeah. of Silicon Valley. Oh my God. <laughs> but but if you build denser, the land isn't exp- as expensive per unit. Per unit, but you need to buy acres, not units. Yeah, but well, but you can defray it by having all the people who are investing. I mean, in, in I, their home. I, I, I was the the uh, some of the most recent um, uh, affordable housing being built in Mountain View. Uh, the one of the the biggest knocks against it was how much it was going to cost the city because of how much the the it it it's going to cost to develop both because of the cost of the land and the cost all the costs are going up here. Uh, very, very quickly, just over a couple of years ago. Uh, I, yeah. And I think we need an appetite to say we all need to pull together and create a new politics in which it is all a responsibility to house everyone. And I just think we lack we lack the direction and incentives for everyone to pull together. And I think in no small way, we have in the studio you know, three very good homeowners. I just think that odds are against it. I don't know. That's my that's my take. I, I I think 
I don't know that every community can do what we're doing in Mountain View, and and exactly, like that's 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 the point. But I be, I believe a lot more communities in the Bay Area can build more housing, and it took a long time for a lot of people to understand the depth of our housing shortage or our housing crisis, um, and finding the right solution is a challenge. As we don't, as obviously we don't all agree about everything we should do. But I'm actually optimistic that we, that we will we will get a whole lot more housing built, and and I'm actually starting to worry more about the bottlenecks and getting constru- you know construction planned and built, as opposed to overcoming the opposition in some some cities. Yeah, the logistics is certainly a massive part of it, but we don't even have the appetite to deal with it. You know, but yeah, are, are we going to have enough faucets and toilets to build all the housing? Uh, that, that because we're we're as David pointed out we're so far behind we didn't build for so long uh, the capacity to build uh, knowing that there's going to be a limit on it when the, there's a downturn in the economy uh, the the capacity to build has not grown and and that that is a challenge that the state should be looking at in terms of training in terms of uh, the supply chain. Uh, there are some new technologies that we're looking at, working with the unions to see that those are, are can be incorporated in a fair way. Those are those are challenges, and I think we have to worry as much about those as about the the Cupertino City Council. So I think we really need to call time, but I'll okay. give you a chance for one last pithy thought if you have any that you still need to get get out. I guess, in my experience, nothing that is really important. No real significant challenge to our our, our society uh, can be solved without people getting out and working hard for it. And so that, that we, that no matter which policies we we follow, um, it's going to be hard to solve to to even start to solve these problems. But it always is. Otherwise, it wouldn't be work, worth working on it. Well, thank you so much, Lenny, and thank you, uh, David and Nampartis, for uh, for coming down here. This has thank been you. a lot of fun. Thanks for inviting us. <laughs> We have been hearing from Lenny Siegel, former mayor of Mountain View, and also Partis Pixada and David Watson of South Bay Yimby, all about land use reform, etc., etc., in Mountain View and beyond. You can hear this episode and all previous episodes at the website, seethecat.org. This is a presentation of KZSU Stanford 91.5.